Hello, Dr. Chris Frickman here. You're listening to Vibrant Potential, a podcast about functional medicine strategies for health, fitness, and performance. Today, we're going to get into a topic known as andropause. If you've never heard of that, it's a little bit like menopause, except for men. So as men, we go through hormonal changes and and some changes associated with aging, just like women do, but there's a little bit less press about it, so to speak. So today we're going to explore how you can notice if it's happening to you or your loved ones, and also some great tips about how to either slow the process, or if you feel like you're in the middle of it, how to reverse the process potentially, at least to some degree. To help me explore andropause, I invited Dr. Minkoff onto the show today. So I'm going to introduce him in a second. And really quick, I just wanted to read a couple of really great comments that I'm getting about the show. So one of them is from Justin. And Justin sent me a message and he said, I just listened to your podcast and I really enjoyed it. I am one of these guys that would love to get into Marine Corps shape, but I get discouraged and I lose focus fast. I found the content super helpful and easy to compare to my situation. Very impressed. So that's awesome, Justin. Thanks for the share. Thanks for the note. And um, we definitely are going to have more shows that are going to help you get into Marine Corps shape, as you put it. That is a, that's a worthy goal. The second person that I want to share, her name is Sherry. And she said, I just listened to the interview with Dr. Tim Noakes. Wow. I've invited 15 of my friends to listen. Really and truly a podcast worth the time. Thank you, Dr. Chris. Wow. Well, thank you, Sherry. I am really glad that this has touched you and it's been valuable. And thank you so much for inviting your friends. If you also love this show, I would love if you could go onto iTunes and just write a review. Let me know what you think and let me know if there's any guests you'd love to hear from on the show or any topics in specific that you'd like me to get into in a show coming up soon. So let's talk a little bit about who the guest is today. It's going to be Dr. Minkoff. Dr. Minkoff is one of the co-founders for the LifeWorks Wellness Center down in Florida. They treat everything from cancer to thyroid disease, Lyme's disease, all kinds of chronic health issues. But today, like I said, we're going to go over andropause. So this is going to be a great interview. Let's just get right into it. So without further ado, Dr. Minkoff. Welcome to Vibrant Potential. We provide you with everything you need to know to overcome stress, fatigue, and chronic health challenges, as well as optimizing your performance in fitness, relationship, and business. We use integrative health solutions and functional medicine strategies, including brain-based approaches, inspired fitness tips, emotional intelligence coaching, and spiritual growth techniques, so you can live the life you want, connect deeply with others, and fulfill your vibrant potential. Your host is functional medicine expert, genetic biohacker, and triathlon coach, Dr. Chris Frickman. Hi guys, this is Dr. Chris Frickman, and welcome to Vibrant Potential. Today we have Dr. Minkoff with us. Dr. Minkoff has quite a few accolades, one of which is he is the, sir, is it right to say the co-founder of LifeWorks Wellness Center? Yes, it was myself and my wife. Okay, awesome. Dr. Minkoff is a medical doctor. He's been in practice treating a variety of things for quite a while, chronic degenerative diseases, multiple sclerosis, Lyme disease, which is a huge one up here in the Midwest, but LifeWorks is actually down in Florida. And so Dr. Minkoff has a number of specialties and we can't get into all of them today. Today, I'm going to actually focus on something called andropause as well as just the aging male and performance, both like physical athletic performance as well as cognitive 
performance and the declines that sometimes we see as men age and you know what can we do to to stop that or reverse that dr minkoff thank you so much for your time today thank you for having me i'm looking forward to this awesome First of all, one of the many things that you do in your practice is anti-aging. Can you please tell us what you mean by anti-aging? Well, I think what's happened is that if you look at performance as a big category for both men and women, like now compared to 20 years ago or 40 years ago or 60 years ago, that people's ability to deal with the environment and age slower is getting worse. So, you know, when you see a New York Yankee big slugger at age 36 who's on a nationwide TV advertising Cialis, you know (laughs) that the world is upside down. Wow. Because, you know, you'd never have caught Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, 25 years ago advertising a product like that because he was a he-man and he-men don't take drugs because they have erectile deficiencies or erectile problems. And, you know, these drugs now sell in the 20 million or more per month category because men just can't do it. It's true for women too. I mean, my mother never took hormones for menopause and my grandmother never took hormones for menopause. And I don't think they were just better sufferers than women now. But because the environment is so toxic with xeno hormones, you know, hormones that or things from the outside that either mimic what hormones do or they block what hormones are supposed to do, that people's bodies don't work right. And so we are in a sea of chemicals, pesticides, genetically modified food, radiation, and the, the cellular performance of our bodies just is having a hard time dealing with it. And so while andropause is a, is a big category or anti-aging is a big category, what we're trying to do is just, you know, how can you at 60 feel like you did and perform like you did when you were 40? And virtually everybody wants this and virtually everybody needs this, you know, unless they're very specially trained or very aware or have very unique genetics in that they can deal with toxicities better than the average guy. And so this whole field has to do with that. Like, how can you get the, you know, why am I tired? Why can't I sleep? Why is my mood off? Why am I sore for five days or two weeks after I, you know, played football on weekends or volleyball or, or, you know, you know, where I'm active, especially if I'm not used to it. And these are all, and why can't I remember anything? Yep. So these are all things that, you know, when people think back 10 years before or 15 years before, they say, well, it wasn't like that before, but it's like that now, and I need help. So anti-aging is the big category of here's how we can help you, because if we can restore physiology, that would equal anti-aging, because right now you're having premature aging of your physiology on a cellular level. Right. So anti-aging isn't really about stopping the aging process. It's just about restoring a natural, healthy aging process where as humans, sort of our birthright, if I can use that word or that term, is to really have pretty darn good function, brain function and body function up until you die. It shouldn't be like this slow, gradual like decline where it's like at 50, 60, you're already feeling like garbage. Well, yeah. And I, I, I mean, I think it's the genetic design. It isn't so much birthright, but it's genetic design. We see disease now in 10-year-olds that we never saw until people were 50 or 60. You know, we have 10-year-olds now with diabetes and there's an obesity epidemic and you know, with problems with behavior, ADD and autism spectrum and all these things, these aren't really diseases. These are bodies that are so toxic that they're acting as if they're 40 or 50 years older than what they should be. Hmm. Interesting. So just to go down that road a little bit, 
just yesterday I was recording a podcast with Professor Noakes out of South Africa. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he does a lot of work with diabetes, type 2 diabetes specifically, and obesity, and talks a lot about insulin, and, and he talks about the lifestyle behavior really, you know, exercise, like all of it's important, obviously, but he talks a lot about insulin and you're talking a lot about toxicity. So I think it's interesting to kind of see where those things fit together. So for the lay person, without going into like incredible amounts of biochemistry and stuff, can you describe what toxicity is doing that causes obesity and causes this mental decline and stuff? Is there a way you can sum that up? Yeah, I think the bottom line is that what happens with toxins is that they cause an inflammatory response in the tissues of the body. So that if it's a pesticide or if it's a artificial sweetener, what that eventually does is it causes the body to generate an inflammatory response. Insulin is very inflammatory causing. So when insulin balances off because people are eating the wrong things and insulin level goes up, we get premature artery inflammation all over the body. And that's the problem with diabetes is that there is premature vascular disease in all the tissues. And then you see kidneys that don't work or brains that don't work or arteries that are full of of plaque because you get premature cardiovascular disease. So I think the bottom line is inflammation and there's a lot of ways to get there. You know, you can get there from a bad diet or from a lot of toxicity, uh, or you can get there if your own detoxification systems are blocked or you're missing nutrients so that they don't work. And then the inflammatory chemicals can hang around and cause damage uh, wherever, wherever they are. And that's kind of what we're fighting. So if we can get people de inflamed, their energy gets better, their fatigue goes away and their pain goes away Hmm. uh, because these are all signs of inflammatory problems. Got it. We do a test on virtually everybody we see, which measures the amount of inflammation in the fats of, you know, uh, every cell has a membrane around it that is made up of a very specific blend of fatty acids. And there is a blood test that you can use to measure how much of those fats in the cells of the body are being inflamed. And then there's another one that goes with this, which is how much is the DNA itself, you know, the chromosomes that are in every cell, how much inflammation is going on in those. And when we see people who have cancer or advanced disease of of any kind, whether it's neurological disease or infectious disease, their markers for inflammation from their fats in their cells and their DNA are usually very high because they're unable to deal with the, you know, whatever it is that's causing it in them, whether it's infection or, or chemicals or heavy metals, they, their body can't deal with it. And so their tissues degenerate and they can't function right. And what are some of those markers that you found to be most valuable in, in clinic? What do you mean like CRP or, or what do you, homocysteine or what are you looking at? Well, I'd look at all of them. Okay. Uh, we, do, we do high sensitivity CRP in everybody, homocysteine, fasting insulin, and then the 8-deoxyguanosine uh, 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 for DNA. So, I mean, there, we have a whole big panel of things that we screen for everybody because we're trying to look at, you know, and then toxin panels like, do you have high heavy metals? Do you have infections in the body that you don't know are causing you a problem, whether those infections are in your gut or in your root canal teeth, or in your gums, or in your tonsils, you know, where are these smoldering sites of infection that may not give you a pain or a something that you can say, you know, that you go to the doctor with. They're sort of underneath the surface, but they're causing a lot of inflammatory particles to be released in your body, and then you get the the symptom is way far uh, sort of down the line of that, of where the patient comes in of, you know, I'm tired. I can't remember. I can't sleep. I'm tired. I, I'm, 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 I'm tired. Right. Wow. Or, okay. and pain. I mean, pain is a big symptom for people. Right. Pain's not normal. Pain's not normal. And, uh, and fatigue's not normal. So these are, you know, I think those are the two biggest things that bring people to the doctor is I'm tired and I hurt. Yep. And in one way or another. 
Yeah, I mean, we have this epidemic now. I mean, it even gets a disease name, which it isn't really a disease, but, you know, like chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia. You know, there's a there's a nice CD10 now code for these things, but they're not diseases. They're just symptom complexes. They're just big waste baskets that a doctor can say, well, you've got that. And then if the person scratched their head for 30 seconds and thought about it, well, what is that? Yeah. Well, you're speaking uh, like a functional medicine doctor. That's why. I mean, you know, I we're going to talk we're talking about andropause today in a way. But at the same time, I mean, andropause is you can say the same thing about andropause or a lot of diagnoses. It's like, what does that mean? You know, exactly. Exactly. And so I think what the good doctors do and what we try to do is what are the things that are the things that are doing that? You know, and it, it basically comes out to, there, there's sort of three sort of big lumps that I think in are like categories and that I try to get the patients to think in. One of them is you have things in your body which shouldn't be there and they're poisonous to you. Now, those may be toxins or chemicals or they may be certain kinds of infections. So we have to identify what those things are so that we can get those things out of your body. That's sort of number one of three big things. Number two is your body's missing things that it's got to have. It is a, you know, it is a biochemical machine. And if it doesn't have the molecules to do the things it's got to do, it can't do it. So, it, you know, we, we live in Florida where, in, in where, where I live, there is probably 320 days a year of sunshine. I, there is almost nobody that comes into my clinic that has a normal vitamin D level. And, it, and, and that's you're saying like, a lot of people have low vitamin D levels in your clinic? Virtually everyone. Oh, okay. In Florida, there's something wrong with the interaction that used to take place between sunshine and skin and the oils of the skin to produce vitamin D. I, I'm, in this, I'm, I'm outside a lot. I ride my bike a lot. I run a lot. If I don't supplement vitamin D, and I'm tanned, if I don't take vitamin D and I measure my level of vitamin D sort of naive with no treatment, it's about 34. And a healthy vitamin D level is between 70 and 90. And unless I take 10,000 units a day of vitamin D, I don't have a level between 70 and 90. It's too low. And that is virtually everyone that we see. The only people that I've seen that can get a normal vitamin D are people who use tanning beds, which I don't suggest people do. But the only patients I've seen that have normal vitamin Ds without supplementation is people who do that. So that's just one nutrient, but what about all the essential fats, the essential amino acids, the vitamins and minerals? 80% of the people we see have low, low magnesium, low red blood cell magnesium. You know, that's, magnesium is, is needed for over 200 different enzyme systems in the body, so the body won't work. So the second big category is you are missing things. You know, it may be that because they're not in your diet and you don't know, or it may be that you're trying your best to eat a good diet. And your digestion just is messed up. You can't, you, you don't have enough stomach acid or your pancreatic enzymes aren't working or you've got bacteria or parasites or funguses in your gut and they've either damaged the membranes so the nutrients don't go across or they're eating the nutrients and you're not getting them. But these are things that are discoverable in a patient where you can find out what these things are. You can fix them and then their body with sort of the innate intelligence will heal it. It'll put it back together and the person will start feeling better. Right. Just, and, and, and I think that I like, I gotta just jump in and, and like really highlight what you just said. So I'm going to paraphrase and, and absolutely disagree with me if I, if I say it wrong back to you, but I just think that that is a huge concept that you just said where it's a functional medicine concept where you're talking about treating the cause instead of treating the symptom. So instead of like this idea that I think of as, as an antiquated idea where you go into the doctor and you have a problem and the doctor fixes you, you're talking about really just kind of getting rid of maybe a hurdle, we could say, to where your body is going to heal itself. You're just there to sort of facilitate that natural healing that takes place. Is that right? That's absolutely right. You know, the body by design is to function well, and the reasons why it's not are those factors. And if you can get those blocks out of the way and then put the blocks in that are missing, unless the person is really very far gone, they will start to feel better. 
And some people feel better very fast, and some people it takes a while. But illness is not a drug deficiency. You know, it isn't a, it isn't a deficiency of some medicine mm-hmm. because medicines don't heal. They never heal. They're all toxic in one form or another. And so that doesn't mean that sometimes they're not necessary for emergencies. But by and large, they're not the things that are going to fix the condition that the patient comes in with. It might be something that you can use as a Band-Aid appropriately in the meantime while you're fixing the cause. Exactly. Okay. So if I have erectile dysfunction, which I don't, but if I had erectile dysfunction, it's not because I don't have enough Viagra in my bloodstream. That's right. You don't have (laughs) enough nitric oxide in your penis, actually. Right, right. And if the drug works, it will do that, but you might go colorblind at the same time or, you know, have a heart arrhythmia or something else. So, so. But what if we could get that nitric oxide doing what we want it to do without those toxic chemicals? That's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. I love it, man. That is awesome. So let me make sure that I understand those three things that you said. I I think you only got through two, but I might have missed the third one. The first one was, I'm going to call it offenders. I don't know if that's what you would call it, but toxins or infections or something that's going on in the body that's sort of like a problem that you got to get rid of. Right. Right. And then number two is like some sort of frank deficiency, whether it's a macronutrient like a protein or a fat or whether it's a micronutrient like a magnesium or a B12. So number two is like a deficiency. That's a Yeah. Okay. And then what was number three? Three I didn't get to, but I'll say it right now. You could put it under this category of sensitivity or allergy. It's the person is reacting to something that's good that isn't a toxin that they actually may even need, but they're having a reaction to it, which is abnormal. You know, they'll take a B vitamin and they'll itch all over, or their eyes will get red, or they'll throw up, or they'll walk into a sports authority where there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of various toxins in the air, and they'll they'll get a headache, or they'll get blurry vision, you know, where they are hyper reactive to the environment and we call it either sensitivity or allergy. They're having an abnormal reaction to it. And so, so an immune, re- immune imbalance. It's, a, it's really, a, it's, it's sort of an autonomic nervous system reaction that they really shouldn't be having. So their nervous system is sensing energies in their environment and reacting to it in a way that an average person wouldn't react to it. And so we can help people by doing pretty much these three things at the same time by reduce their sensitivity to the environment by getting their autonomic nervous system to relax when it shouldn't really be reacting to something that isn't harmful to them. Okay. That's great. I appreciate that. So even though we're, we're sort of like, we reached a, like an agreement point that andropause is, is really just like a lumping of symptoms I'm going to ask you anyway, if you can just define andropause for me really quick. Well, I think what, you know, if you watch the the low T on TV, it's what a lot of guys feel. They're getting belly fat. They're losing muscle. They can't think. Their energy isn't as good as it was. Their sleep's not as good as it was. Their sort of drive to work, produce, do well isn't as good as it was. They may not have the sexual function that they're used to. They may not even be able to get an erection. That sort of is the that that would be sort of the symptoms that that a guy would come in with and saying, you know, I'm uh, I'm not uh, I'm not who I used to be, and I don't like it. So, in a woman, a woman assuming she lives long enough is going to go through menopause. That's normal physiology. Uh, that's just that's going to happen. And there's a graceful way to get through menopause and then there's a way that has a lot of symptoms and is not fun for women and andropause in men is andropause something that is normal for men to go through doc or is that something we should be trying to avoid well i think it's something we're trying to avoid because you know in other cultures you will see men in their 70s and 80s who still have you know, they still work a full day. They run a, after the antelopes or whatever they're doing. Yeah. You know, they still have their sexual function. They can still be active sexually. So I don't think this is necessarily, a, you know, built in. I think, it's, I, I think it's a toxicity and a nutrition problem. 
And and honestly, women, you know, you know, women are much more likely to come into a clinic than men are. Men are, you know, the 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 sort of I don't need help is is in most men is very strong. Yes. And and, and in women, I I need help. So a lot of the guys that come in see their wives change, and then with a little pressure, they come in. But you know, there are many many women now who at 25 or 30 or 35 have extreme PMS. You know, the last two weeks of their cycle, they feel miserable, they're depressed, they're irritable, and they shouldn't be having these symptoms at those ages. They're still Mm -hmm. menstruating. It's because their hormones aren't working right, their levels are way off, and if you can correct those things, then they start to feel normal again. So it's a huge problem in both men and women, and men are just less likely to try to you know, unless it gets really bad. If a guy can't get an erection, he's coming in. Yeah, then he'll come in, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I agree. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think that's very well agreed upon. I mean, all of my colleagues pretty much will say, oh, yeah, I I see more women than men, and unless it's, uh, you know, unless they only treat men for some reason or another. But, but I think that that's changing. That might just be, maybe I'm projecting, but I, I think that there's more men that are like starting to accept that like, hey, I want to I wanna age optimally or gracefully and that's going to mean like better cognitive performance. That's going to mean aesthetically I might look better. I might, you know, my mood's going to be better. Like, I, I think there's more people looking for that. I agree with you. And I think that because of sort of Madison Avenue, Except and and now there's you know there's a lot of pharmaceutical answers to hormone deficiencies, and it's being promoted that it's now acceptable. And I think that's the only way that this that the New York Yankee slugger can be on TV because it's it's you know they make men feel now comfortable with, hey, I do have a problem. I you know I can get helped. Yeah, and I love that to a point. I I don't want men to feel so comfortable about taking Cialis at 36 that wouldn't be good but but I love that uh, there's that we're promoting a culture where it's okay to ask for help whether you have a penis or not (laughs) yes so obviously like one of the things if you're going if you're a man and you're experiencing you know whether we're going to call it andropause or you know just any of these symptoms of andropause like you know any kind of cognitive decline poor memory uh, less focus less less motivation or drive decreased sexual function could be depression could be you know all kinds of stuff right that that you already listed listed out one of the really good ideas is going to be to go see a functional medicine doc that knows something about hormones and and what what we were talking about anti-aging a clinician such as uh, such as yourself but let's if we could just like highlight something to give like a little bit of empowerment to people that are just listening now if they if they want to do a little bit something on their own what are some things that that men can start to do on their own like how does exercise affect andropause how does how does diet affect andropause well i think the biggest factors are those things you know like my standard thing for somebody coming in is okay i want you to go on a paleo diet for the next six months Okay, no grains, no dairy, no processed foods, no artificial sweeteners. Your foods are meat, fish, and eggs, all of which the animals aren't given drugs or hormones or antibiotics. They're fed their natural food, so if it's a cow, they eat grass. If it's a chicken, they eat bugs and worms and whatever else chickens eat. So you that those are your proteins. You can eat fruits and vegetables. You can eat nuts and seeds and butters and milks from nuts and seeds. But you, you go off all grains, all dairy, all legumes. For many, many people, this makes a huge difference. People with chronic constipation, chronic GERD, stomach aches, their, their symptoms will go away. It's not 100%, but it's very, very high. So eat those foods. And you just sort of have to get through the first two or three weeks of withdrawal from the stuff that you're eating, which is, you know, high sugar, high processed GMO grains to something that's way more native to the body and that our bodies have been, you know, for 99.94% of our history, this is what people ate. And so we just go back to that. Second thing is you have to make sure that you get enough sleep so that you, you are rested and you can get through a day. Sometimes people need help with, with sleep. 
So sometimes we give them tryptophan or melatonin or various herbs to help them do that. People should get some sunshine every day and they should exercise every day. Now, I don't actually care what people do in terms of exercise. If they have a game that they like to play, that's fine. But I like to have people do things where they get both some days a week, some cardiovascular type stuff and some days a week, something where they can work their muscles so that they keep they keep their muscles. So, you know, if they want to do push-ups and squats and pull-ups and sit-ups every other day for, you know, for it doesn't take that long, 20 minutes, you know, do as many push-ups as you can do in five minutes and then as many pull-ups as you can do in five minutes. And if you can't do one, put a chair underneath of you and just help yourself so that you get your arms working and as many sit-ups as you can do in five minutes and as many squats as you can do in five minutes and do that every other day. And you'll see most people three, four weeks, you'll actually be able to do those things and you will feel your body tighten up and get stronger. And then on the off days, walk, run, swim, ride your bicycle, play tennis, you know, something where you're going to move the big muscles of the body, you're going to work your heart and lungs. I think that for most people, if they do sort of a, a hit type program where they're, they're doing some high intensity with it, that starts at low intensity if they're not used to doing anything, that high, again- High intensity for the individual is what I always for say. For the individual, yeah. So some people it's walking fast and some people they can sprint for 30 seconds, but it, you know, something where they're not going to hurt themselves and but they're going to breathe a little fast and get a little sweaty. So I, I'm going to ask a couple like clarifying questions about a couple of these points. Um, I'll start with exercise since you're talking about it right now. You've completed what 41 Ironmans? Is that right? Uh, 40, yeah. 40. Okay, so that's a lot of running and a lot of biking and quite a bit of swimming, more than 20 minutes a day. I'm wondering what you see and what your opinion is about about exercising that much as far as like, what about the effects of, of cortisol when you've been like, you're on a four hour bike ride. Is that, does that have good effects or do you have to do other good things just to mitigate the damaging effects of, of that? You have to do other things. You know, I'm not saying that, 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 or I wouldn't say that this is necessarily healthy. You know, it's sort of like skydiving. You, it's not necessarily healthy, but if it's fun and it's uh, therapy for you and you're aware of what it, I mean, I've been doing, I did my first Ironman in 1982, my first marathon in 1974. So I've been doing, you know, endurance exercise for a long time and I really haven't had any significant injuries except when a car hit me. Uh, and I broke a bone. But other than that, my, you know, my biomechanics are, you know, good enough so that I can do it. And I know when it's too much and when it's not enough. And you can, you can go overboard and hurt yourself. So it, you know, but if the nutrition is in and you, you know, you're either have a coach that's sensitive or you're sensitive, I think you can do these things and enjoy them and have a lot of fun with them. But is it something that I prescribe to everyone? No. I think this sort of simple thing that I started with where if you've got, everybody's got 20 minutes a day. And even the, the you know, everybody does. I don't care what you're doing, how busy you are. You could do this thing. And so that's sort of the minimum. And then if you know what you're doing and you like it and you can do what I do, but, you know, very few people are going to do that. Gotcha. Uh, heading back to paleo for a second. Why no legumes? Here's, here's what I usually say to people is this is not a one size fits all, but if you will just for the next three months do it this way, most people have a leaky gut. You know, they have, they are leaking things through their intestinal wall that should never get into their body. And the things that leak that are bad are proteins. So when the proteins leak across, the immune system makes a reaction. And then a lot of the inflammation in the body is because the, the, of the inflammatory response to these leaky proteins. And many of the foods that we're taking out are irritative to the intestine or they're, they, have, they have things in them that are irritative to the intestine. And so this is just sort of my first thing of let's get you so that you don't have a leaky gut, you have a nice habit, and you have no stomach symptoms at all. See, what I want to do is run them very tight until I get them to, when they come in and express, you know, I feel great. 
I, I can do what I want, my body feels great, I have no pain, and I have energy. And then I say, okay, I did my job. Now, if you wanna experiment a little and see what happens, and if you wanna eat some tofu or have some black beans and rice, you can see what how your body responds. And if it goes well, and you can keep the level that you're operating on, then I'm not against it in principle. But what I find is that a lot of people can't eat those foods once they're really working well, and they they learn that, and they uh, they avoid them. But I'm not I'm not dogmatic about it except at the beginning because I gotta get them. If I'm gonna get them to where they're sort of hiring me to get them to a certain point. And so then I just say, look, you're wasting your time and your money by coming to me if you just just do what I'm telling you because I know this works. 85% of the patients that we see, they get better. Yep. And they usually, by the time they're, you know, by the time I see them for a recheck in five or six weeks, they already tell me, hey, hey, this is working. I'm better. You know, I don't have heartburn anymore. You know, I stopped my Prilosec. You know, I, I've, I've been constipated my whole life. I'm having a bowel movement or two every day, you know, where they'll just be like, I didn't even ask them. So I've just found that by experience, this usually works. So I I just pretty much stick with it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You mentioned like they just kind of got to get through it. And I think sometimes, especially in the clinic, like you mentioned, like a lot of the people that come to see you are, they're in a lot of pain or they're highly motivated for some reason to make a change. There are some other people that maybe aren't in the clinic yet, but maybe they're listening to this podcast and they'd like, it's like they're interested in change, but maybe they're not as committed as maybe one of your clients. Do you have any ways to ease into paleo? Like, I mean, sugar is extremely addictive. And you said, oh, just get off sugar. You know, it's like, it's easy to say, right? And, and I know you know this, but it's it's difficult to to take it all the way out, right? So do you have any suggestions about easing into a healthier diet or do you just say, nope, just do it? <laughs> well, you know, abstinence is better than temperance. If you ever talk to someone who's got a, you know, who's a, whether it's drugs or drinking or, or even sugar, is going slow or trying to quit smoking. You know, it's easier to quit and know that for two weeks, your body's gonna, I tell people, you know, the first thing on it, we have a little booklet that we pass out that we give to patients on the paleo diet. And the first thing on it is clean out your pantry. Okay, that's your first step. Go into your pantry and anything that's in a box, in a package that's got anything else added to it than the exact food itself. You know, if you go to the grocery store, a chicken leg is itself. A sprig of broccoli is itself. What's a Trisket? God knows, okay? It's all a mixture of chemicals. (laughs) Actually, it took me a second, like, I couldn't remember what a Trisket was, but I just remembered. Okay, so a saltine cracker, you know? I mean, it's a, it's 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 like it's like manufactured chemicals. You know, right. it's like, it's not the food. So I just say, go through your pantry and get rid of all the stuff because nobody has any self discipline at eleven o'clock at night when they're hungry, or yep. three o'clock in the morning when they wake up and they're hungry. So if it's not in your house and you have good substitutes, you know, you have some jerky or you have some nuts or you have some fruit or you have some leftover roast beef or you know whatever you know whatever it is. It will fill you up and you will get over it. Do they have to? No, but I, I, I think that by the time they get to me, usually, you know, we don't take insurance. So people are coming because they want it and they want advice and they want top coaching. And there's nobody between me and the patient. So if I'm successful, they're happy, you know, and they're healthy and they feel good. And if I'm not, they aren't. By the time they get to me, they're willing. If they're lukewarm and they see me, <laughs> they're not, they they actually probably got screened out by our call screener before they came in. Yeah, right, right, right. Okay. Well, okay. So let's talk hormones for just a second. Do men have hormones? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But like the there are hormone changes that happen, obviously, with andropause, right? So like talk to me a little bit about DHEA and testosterone and estradiol and, and what happens uh, commonly in that, that you're seeing with the dysfunctional patients and what you might do to try to change that. Most men, uh, if they're coming in with this, have a low testosterone and a low DHEA. And it isn't usually subtle low. It's usually really low. 
I usually screen people using salivary hormones to start. So the salivary hormones are the 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 actual free free hormones that the cells see. Some men also, if they're sort of they've got a big paunch and they're they they've got increased belly fat will have high estrogens and they're converting their their testosterone to estrogens and so you know those are in terms of hormones that's what they that's what they look like we also screen people for for another hormone IGF1 which is growth hormone and and a lot of them in this condition will have very low growth hormones too so that they're they're hormonally challenged and they're at levels that are lower than they should be so there's all kinds of reasons for this but practically what I do with them is that I try to identify the, you know, by doing extensive lab testing of what, you know, what else besides these lower hormones is going on. What does their gut look like? You know, we do a poop test and I do an extensive mineral, fatty acid, amino acid, vitamin panels to see where are you low? Because uh, what's your thyroid doing? Because a lot of these guys, if we can get those sort of basic systems functioning, and then what in, what what low-grade infections do they have that they don't even know about? Are they full of parasites? Do they have a chronic smoldering virus infection? So that we can identify these things, and we and we pretty much go after this stuff to try to fix them. Now in Europe, my one of my mentors is a Swiss doctor, and he. You know, he could do all natural and patients didn't expect any change for six to 12 months. And so he would work on their nutrition. Because that was part of the culture? That's the part of the culture. They are not a snap your fingers, I want it right now, give me a drug, do it now. They just, mentality was not that. But in here, that's not the mentality. If they've seen you three times and you haven't made a big difference in them, they are not happy. So I usually do a combination of, look, we're gonna do these things. You do the diet, the exercise, the sunshine, the sleep, the rest of the stuff. We're gonna figure out what you're missing, what, what we gotta get rid of, we're gonna work on that. And then I'm gonna get your hormone levels in good levels so that you are gonna feel good within the next couple of weeks. And then as your body heals, there is a reasonable chance, maybe 50-50 or, or 30-70, that your body will start to produce these things on its own and these hormones will not feel good to you and you will wean off them because you don't need them. And that seems to work for most patients. Now some guys never go off and some guys go off and they're fine and will remeasure their hormone levels in three months and their cortisol is now back up to where it should be and that's the other one that I didn't mention is cortisol is a big one. A lot of people either have way too much or they don't have any. And so you've, this this has to be managed as well. Cortisol is a, is a hormone that has to do with inflammation. And people who don't have any cortisol are inflamed everywhere and they hurt and they're exhausted. And people who have real high cortisols can't sleep and they, they feel like hyped up and they're, they sort of can't calm their nervous system down, their, their, their hormone system down. So, but that usually works with people and that's understandable to people. And then I can get something that will produce positive change on them relatively quickly so that they're getting, you know, they're getting what they want, they, they, which is what they, they want to feel good. And I'm not giving them a drug. These hormones are bioidentical. The body accepts them very well. Uh, sometimes it's creams, sometimes it's drops. There's an occasional guy who just won't absorb uh, or a lozenge that won't absorb it and they need to go to a testosterone shot. But we work it out with them, something that, that lifestyle-wise they can, they can deal with. And it makes for a happy patient because now their performance is where they want it. And some guys will come back and say, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, it's, it's a little too much for me. And say, okay, good. You were taking four clicks of cream, go to three clicks of cream, see how that is. And then if in a couple of weeks it's not better, go to two clicks. And if it's not better, go to one click and wean you off. And then we'll wait a month or two, see what your levels are doing. You may have restored the block, you know, by doing what we're doing with fixing the other things, we may have restored your body's ability to actually, and, and with the exercise, to make these things, and you don't need it anymore. And that's, you know, that would be my ideal scene, but we don't always get there in everybody. So if a guy is trying to sort of stay like youthful and vigorous and vital as long as possible, 
Do you think that there's a place for like natural aromatase inhibitors or 5-alpha reductase inhibitors or, or things like that? Oh, yes. And I use, if they're estrogens, I, I put them on, you know, there's a variety of products that'll do this, but I will give them, if they need testosterone and DHEA, I'll give them testosterone DHEA and I'll give them the natural aromatase inhibitor. Uh, or if they're, you know, if they're, if their dihydrotestosterone is too high, a uh, 5-alpha uh, reductase inhibitor. So yes, I, I use these, I use the natural products as much as I can. And you know, some guys, some guys who are like, oh, I don't want to do that. You got anything else where they will, we will give them a glandular, you know, a testicular glandular or adrenal glandulars. And some people respond really well to this stuff and they never actually need the hormone. The body will, will, with the glandulars will then get going. So I'm trying to do the most sort of what's the most compatible thing with normal physiology and trying to get at them with natural substances as much as I can. And if an herbal or a glandular works, I'm there. And a lot of it just depends on who's the guy, what's his tolerance, how fast does he, you know, how much is he willing to wait or to see before he gets a result. Okay, really cool. And are these things, in your opinion, safe to use? Like if a guy's like, gosh, like I'm just like my pecs are not as ripped as I want them to be. I'm just going to take this, whatever, some indole three carbonyl or, you know, something. I'm just going to like play around with some of these supplements that that might help me um, not have too much DHT or estradiol or something like that. Uh, do you recommend that people just kind of casually do that or do they need to be under the care of a physician? I think they're pretty safe, really. I, I think you never know what you got unless you measure it. I think for people who are interested in this, that you can either have your doctor or you can go to direct labs and you can get tested for all of these hormones and get a baseline of where you are and then do your experiment on yourself for a month or six weeks and then do another level and see where you are. And if it's making the change that you want, great. If it's not, try something else. Gotcha. The other thing about these hormones is they're very responsible emotion, you know, to emotional things too. I, I don't know if you've seen this study. It was a study done before the Super Bowl. I think it was Giants and Patriots. And they had 100 guys that were, you know, 100 Patriot fans and 100 Giant fans in a room all together and 10 minutes before the Super Bowl, they measured their testosterone levels. And every guy in the room had high testosterone levels. And then the game got played, and I don't know which team won, but then a half an hour after the game was over, they measured their testosterone levels again, and the team that lost, theirs had dropped like 40 or 50%, and the other guys were at least as high or higher. So there, wow. you know, there's emotional factors to these things that are huge. But I think if you're going to do your experiment, measure it. Then you can tell. You know, I, I was at a meeting. I was speaking at a meeting a month ago. And one of the other speakers was talking about a, a, a product that he had developed, which was supposed to uh, support testosterone. And it sounded very interesting. It didn't make any sense to me. But I bought a bottle of it from him. And I thought, you know, I know what my baseline is. I don't take testosterone. My testosterone with what I do stays in good range. And I started taking it and I thought, gee whiz, I think I can feel this product. And I'm very suggestible, you know, so if, I, if I'm, you know, if, if I think something's going to work, I usually get the feeling that it's working. Yeah, yeah. So I'm doing, the, I'm doing it now and I'm at the end of the bottle and I'm going to remeasure my hormone levels and see, was there any real effect produced or not? And then I'll say, well, gee whiz, it's, you know, it's better and I'm going to keep taking it or it didn't work. So fine, uh, you know, go on to the next one. So I think if you're doing it on your own, get the numbers and you'll hit it right more often than not. You know, like growth hormones, another one that if people are measuring IGF-1, there's a lot of products that you can buy over the internet that are drops or patches or, you know, transdermal things that, oh man, this is going to raise your growth hormone level. And I have tested probably several dozens of them in patients, and it didn't touch their 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 IGF one level. It didn't it didn't make any difference. So that's just a waste of money if you're paying 70, 80, 90 bucks, 150 bucks a month for a 
for a, I've got one going now. There's a there's a company that's that's in our area that sells uh, deer antler extracts, which are supposed to raise IGF and IGF one levels. And mm-hmm. I've got a, so I said, you know, give me ten bottles. I'm going to give them to ten patients who have low IGF one levels, and I'll just have them take a dropper full every night, and I'll measure their. You know, we'll do this for two months, and I'll I've got baselines on all of them. We'll do their IGF one in two months, and I'll tell you if this stuff. You know, if in if in seven out of ten of these guys, their growth hormone level goes up, I'll sell your product. I'll buy your product and or I'll recommend your product because, you know, this is this is worth it. If if one goes up and nine don't change, probably not worth 150 bucks a month to someone because it, it's just you know it's it's not doing it. Right, right. You got some family back there. I got some grandchildren back here. Nice. They came home, so the door's closed, but you can hear them. How old are your grandkids? Can I ask? Uh, nine, seven, three, 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 <laughs> uh, three and, uh, and one year. Hold on. So are any of the three, the, any of the four, three-year-olds, uh, siblings? Yeah. Two of them are twins. Oh, oh, two sets of twins. Okay. Or just one set of twins. One, one set of twins. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. That's great to hear your family back there. I love that. Uh, well, Listen, let me let you go so you can go spend some time with your family. We have uh, a lot of great information here. And I would, uh, let's see here. I mean, andropause, we got, you know, if you've got some decreased sexual drive or satisfaction, decreased cognitive decline, maybe some psychological or physiological decreased male identification kind of stuff. If you got man boobs coming out or decreased strength, if you've got like a mood or a sense of well-being that's just kind of gone into the toilet, you know, that could be some andropause stuff going on. And, um, Maybe looking at those three things, the offenders, like the toxins, the infections, some of those deficiencies, like the macro or micronutrition deficiencies, or maybe some sensitivities or allergies. Those are some things that people can think about. If they want some help, they can check you out on your website or something. Uh, where is the best place that they can they can reach you at? www.lifeworks. It's L-I-F-E-W-O-R-K-S, Wellness center.com lifeworkswellnesscenter.com they could also check out www.bodyhealth.com b-o-d-y-h-e-l-t-h i i do a newsletter each week Uh, every other week is is sports performance and every other week is kind of general health it's free so if you go to those websites you can subscribe we have a lot of people who get it and like it so People can look there and find out more about us. And, you know, if you have an unresolved situation where you you need help, you know, some kind of chronic illness, we have people come from all over the world to come to Clearwater for, you know, two or three months at a time. They get intensive treatment and um, and we do really well with them. So if you know somebody who's in that category from cancer to Parkinson's to Lyme disease, those are things that we see a lot of and do a good job with. Well, there's worse places to go for two or three months than Florida. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Awesome. Hey, thank you so much for your time again, and uh, we'll talk soon. Okay, take care. Visit drchrisfrickman.com for more cutting-edge content, including nutrition and detoxification advice, unique fitness videos, and more.